I said to my wife last night, as we were sitting here and looking around the tables, we've been in every one of your churches except one over the years in fellowship and in ministry. And um, we have really been strengthened by you. We've been very grateful for the fellowship that we, you know, Trinity Baptist. And we were at WEC. And uh, man, they treated us great. Wes preached a powerful message. And then he came and actually we were leaving the church and he came over and he said, can I pray for you guys? And uh, you don't know how much that meant. You know, we're, who are we? You'd never met us. But um, just, yeah, been in Calvary Chapel and the different places. And so um, thank you for what you carry. You touch a lot of people. And Ron and Mary, you really, I, I tell a lot of people this. I think of, you know, just a few people in my life who have been very influential, and you two are names I always talk about. So thank you. So um, I, I want to just, I have about 25 minutes, and then I want to actually lead you through a little exercise. But... Um, my wife and I, and Leslie, if you just want to stand, we, we travel. <laughs> the last 10 years, our church has released us to travel full-time. And when I initially started traveling, it was, um, I guess, mostly prophetic that we were involved in. And we're in a, a big transition now where we're going to rename our ministry to Foundations of Destiny. And what's happened over the last 10 years is we've been traveling, as we get into churches and... Um, or we go to conferences, um, we would find that we could have an amazing time with the Holy Spirit coming and visiting us and touching lives in a very profound way. And then we go back two months later and it was hard to tell anything happened. And we kept bumping into people who were struggling with the prophetic. You know, I've had... All these words, all these years, and nothing ever happens. And kind of we're just a little bit cautious of the prophetic. Or we're even been wounded by it. How many of you kind of know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and so I had actually begun this journey even somewhat before. By the way, Rob, I think you did this for me in Thunder Bay. Could you let me know when 20... Three minutes is up or so. 20, 20 minutes. All right, thanks. Um, so, and then one of the other things, I guess, as I traveled, was um, the leaders you would talk to would have prophetic word after prophetic word, and it became obvious they didn't know what to do with what God was speaking. So here we are, we're asking God to visit us, and he does. And then what do you do with it? Right? And we're actually not training our leaders well to handle what the Holy Spirit births. And, you know, I call it prophetic, but, man, I've been in Baptist churches. I've been in, in all kinds of churches. And God has spoken to them, but they're like they're paralyzed. Right? And yet they know God has spoken. So I just, I'm like Mark, I just want to give you a few points tonight, okay? <laughs> and I felt oil on that song, Waymaker. Man, I love that song. It's, it's awesome. I've been playing that a lot in these last 
few months. Um, and I believe even tonight, I saw it's just some of you start jumping and clapping, and it was like God was touching something. And uh, I feel like tonight the Lord wants to release dreams and desires again. <laughs> and he roars over. He rose over his sons and daughters. And um, I told Ron to watch the clip of Bob Jones of the the Roar of the Lion, because Bob Jones said in 2010, the Roar of the Lion was released to the church. And I actually roar in places, and I struggle. I say, Lord, people really don't have a paradigm for me roaring. But you know what? In some churches where we've roared, something has broken over the place and there's a freedom to move forward. And, uh, but I just want you to hear this. The roar of the lion is actually, it, you can hear it out there, but it, they roar into the earth. And it's about bringing the destiny that's in the earth out. But it also, the other thing that the lion signifies as he roars into the earth, this is my territory and you don't touch my family. And it's a warning to the enemy. Anyways, um, so as we've traveled, we, we've, we've just found this frustration in the body of Christ. And I think the other thing that I, I find is just these desires. So I, I actually want to kind of bounce off of Mark last night. And I want to do a little exercise with you guys at the end because I was really just watching who was responding to Mark and the Holy Spirit was actually touching a pretty deep desire in all of us, wasn't he? Right? But here's what happens, especially as leaders. We get touched like that. We leave the conference and we get back into the routine and demands and the busyness and the distractions and we lost with the Holy Spirit birthed here. How many of you can kind of, you know? And so the Lord has been actually speaking to me about equipping the church to sustain what the Holy Spirit births and empower leaders and churches to take now what he's started and keep it moving, keep it growing. And so I just want to give you three quick points tonight. Um, it's amazing, and, and Leslie will, will tell you this. Um, we hear two common statements as we lead churches and leaders in that through these exercises. And the two statements are this. The first one is, um, we feel unstuck. We feel like we can move forward again. <laughs> and the second one is, I wish someone would have done this 20 years ago with us. Sometimes 30 years ago. In fact, we just did a, a big gathering up in northern Manitoba, and we had two or three people come and say, oh, if only someone would have done this years ago with us, because <laughs> we never knew what to do with it. So I want to give you three um, things tonight that we can do to sustain what God breathes in us. And I'm just going to do it in an individual basis. Um, and give you, um, I guess, just some tools to start even what God started last night. Uh, it was interesting because my wife and I, we, we practiced it today, and I said to her, because she stood up for all three of them, and uh, I said, so 
what did the Holy Spirit say to you? And she says, I just want to do this, right? And, I, and she says, you know what? We keep having the Holy Spirit start this, and then we get off track again, and we lose it. And I said, well, what, what's, you know, Mark said you want to love the people and all that. You want to take the message. I said, what do you want to do? And she goes, I want to bring the unsaved into my home. And we've done that over the years. Actually, when I was youth pastor here in Zion Church, we used to invite the girls from the group homes at Marymount to our home, especially at Christmas time and Easter and different things. And um, it, we're always amazed at the unsafe. We had so many people say, um, you don't want us in your home. Like, do you know who we are? And yeah. Yeah, we do. This is exactly why we want you. <laughs> I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's my wife's passion. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. So, so here's just a couple of things we can do. Number one, for, for, for fulfilling dreams and desires, be intentional and accountable. Most visions and dreams fail because of inattention to results and accountability. Um, there's a book out by Patrick Lencioni called The Five Dysfunctions of Teen. And, um, and in the, I hand this book out wherever we go, and in the back he's got a test that he gives leaders to find out if they're working in team in that, because he said, um, if these things are not functioning well, vision always gets lost. And you know what happens if you keep losing your vision and your dream you just become cynical, become apathetic. And you go through the motions in church, but your heart is in pain because the Holy Spirit's still calling you to fulfill the dream and the destiny that he's called you to. And everywhere I go, without exception, the two areas that are always weak in church leadership and individuals is inattention to results and accountability. And so they go around in circles, or they, the thing falls apart. I'm talking corporately now, but even individuals, they just kind of keep going around the circle. And so we'll say to them, do you want to stay here? And they go, no. <laughs> so let's do what needs to be done to sustain the vision and the dream. Um... I, I went into one situation where uh, it was a, a camp, actually, and they were frustrated with some things, but they had had consistently for 15 years a prophetic word that they were to have a school of ministry. And the, uh, the, the chairman of the board came to me and he said, can you help us? He goes, I'm just so frustrated. I don't know what God's problem is. That was his words to me. You know, why does he keep prophesying this thing? And it never happens. And I said, well, what are you doing to make it happen? What steps are you intentionally doing to get the ball rolling? He says, I don't know what to do. I said, okay, well, let's, let's work at this together. And we started... Mapping out some things that was in his heart and in the heart of the board and the leadership that were there. We started drawing it out and we put 
just a six-month practical plan into place to get the dream going. And within one year, they had a school of ministry happening. And then it happened, and it expanded and grew in the next few years. Unfortunately, the director got extremely sick, and they had to close it down. But, but the dream started to happen. And the desire was fulfilled. Um, so what we encourage people to do is, if you get these prophetic words, and even like a, a conference here now, um, we want to map out for you personally how you can walk out touching the lost that Mark's talked about, loving the lost. And what I encourage you to do is define your success. Then I'm speaking individually here tonight, but define your success because, you know, Mark has given us the, the motivation and the goal, but how you walk it out is the key thing, right? And you're not going to be Mark Hughes. Mark is, is uh, extremely exceptional, and I, I find all the evangelists are. I, pastor Tom, who is um, the pastor I turned the church over to, he's an evangelist. And one of the things I could never understand was Tom loved funerals. And I'm, I'm going, Tom, is there something wrong with you? He goes, no, this is the time to get people saved. And, and he praises God when someone dies in the church. Almost, you know, he's, he's so excited. And he leads people to Jesus. It's unbelievable. Um, he's had some very profound people get saved in the city at some of the f- funerals that he's done. Um, but here's the thing. Each one of you are different. Each one of you are gifted in a different way, your personality. And so how do you want to love the lost and have a message for the lost? So I'm actually going to do a little exercise with you towards the end here. Um, It could be some of you want to just pray. I found it interesting that that man's brother did nothing but pray for him. And it was Mark's mother that brought the guy to church and he got saved. But his function was, after a while, was just to pray. I find there's people that are amazing at praying for the lost. Uh, In fact, every Thursday night, we have teams that go out on the streets from Zion. And I don't know if you've heard of some of the miracles and the things that are happening Um, they are winning people every week to the Lord. But there's been people come and say, you know what, it's just not us, we can't do it, but we'll stay at the church and we'll intercede for you. And they feel a part of it. They feel like they're touching the lost along with these guys. Um, My wife likes to have hospitality. It's, It's just her passion and she's... My kids even say, Mom, we really feel your love through your cooking. But you know what? Our neighbors did. And uh, I'll just give you a quick story. We, um, we get intentional as often as we can. And so I started asking, Lord, is there one of the neighbors that you really want me to reach out to? And he gave me the neighbor that lived right beside us. And he was a cranky old man. And his kids didn't even want to be around him. 
But we decided to reach him, and he, he really tested us. But uh, we just decided to love on him, and we kept saying, hey, would you come over for, for supper? And he goes, no, no. And he would say something like, the same thing, you know, I mentioned about the girls, you don't want me in your house. And we go, yeah, we do. But he just kept declining. And so I went over the one day to see him, just see how he was doing, and he looked pretty bad. And I said, what's going on? And he said, I just found out I have lung cancer. And they're giving me six months to live. And I said, uh, now it's interesting, he would never allow me to pray for him before. And he didn't even want to hear about the Lord when we had tried at different times. And uh, I said to him, can I pray for you? And he goes, well, I really don't believe in it, but yeah, if you want to, go ahead. Right? And I just said, just so you know, my wife loves cooking. And if you need meals, you let us know. And he goes, yeah, okay. So she made, actually made a lasagna <laughs> a couple nights later and, took it to, and we took it to him. And then she made other meals. But he, probably the third week in, he goes, you know, that lasagna was amazing. I'm going to buy the groceries and I want your wife to cook for me. <laughs> right? Now, he's not coming to our house, but see the love. Right? Her love. So impacting him. And he keeps telling me, her lasagnas... I've never tasted lasagnas like her lasagnas, right? Didn't he say that? And, um, and you know, the, the crazy thing was, um, at six months, now he, he allowed me to pray for him a lot, and so I spoke healing to him. And when he went for the test, the doctor said, we don't know what's happened, but your cancer is receding a little bit. And he said, well, I just told the doctor it's my positive attitude and my neighbor prays for me. Right? Right? That's what he said. Um, so, anyways, Leslie continued to cook for him. And he started to say, you know, I don't know why you guys are doing this for me. He said, my wife loves you. This is her way. It's her expression. She does it for other people, too. She's helping a an old man in our complex right now, she cleans for him. And he'll sit and just pour his heart out to her. But this is her way, right? That's not my way. <laughs> but I want to bless her and work with her. Now here's the thing, she's touching the lost. With who she is, with her passion. So tonight, I actually want to lead you through an exercise to define what's in your heart. Who are you? And don't make it a corporate thing. You know, I, go to your church. I would actually go to your church and, and do a three-month plan and say, you know what, let's follow up on what Mark inspired us with. How are we going to love the lost? And, and what message can we bring as a church to the lost? And be intentional about it. Because it can get lost, right? Um, so... Find out who you are, what your passion is. Get in touch with it. Um, just quickly, when the Holy Spirit spoke to you last night while, while Mark was leading in a few areas and praying, did any of you have thoughts go through your head of how you'd like to do it? 
Anybody? What did you have? Okay. Isn't it interesting you said that? I tell my wife I look for opportunities every day. So in other words, I'm just looking for moments of how I can share the love of God and hopefully the message of God. And uh, I'll just share this one last thing because I'm, yeah, I'm running out of time here. But <clears throat> um, the Lord, I told him I, I wanted to be spontaneous with some of this. In other words, I don't want it to be a program thing. I really want this to be relational and walking with him and letting him lead me to people that are ready for the love and the good news. And uh, he's doing it, but it's, it's a learning process. However, I'm growing. Hallelujah. <laughs> and there's just been some amazing moments as I'm learning how to hear his voice. And one of them was I went to uh, IGA and I was in a rush. And uh, I had to buy some, actually only one or two groceries, and then get to this appointment. And I was actually looking for the shortest line and the most efficient checker, right? Any of you ever do this? <laughs> totally. <laughs> hey, sister, it's you and me, me <laughs> Um so uh, I, I saw the lineup. There was an older lady. She didn't have a lot of stuff in front. And then a guy with three or four items. And the girl really seemed to be fishing. And I thought, this is it. So the uh, clerk runs all the groceries through for this older lady. And um, she said $74. And uh, <laughs> the lady goes, oh, oh, um, okay, well, take that item out. And take that item out. Take that item out. And inside my head, I'm going, oh, for heaven's sakes. This is <laughs> slowing everything down, right? That's what was in my mind. And um, the clerk gave a number after she took those items out. And she goes, oh, um, take out the tobacco. And, and I'm going, and then I heard the Lord say, you've been asking for opportunities. Don't you miss this. Don't you miss this. So um, I said to the clerk, excuse me, um, put everything back. I'm going to pay for it. And the lady goes, what? No, I don't know you. No, no. And the clerk goes, you're what? <laughs> right? And I said, no, no, I, I want to pay for it. Put everything back. And the lady goes, well, not the tobacco. And I said, yeah, no, the tobacco too. <laughs> and, um, oh, I guess I told her I was a... She goes, why are you doing this? And I said, I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm a believer, right? So she, she didn't want to do the tobacco anymore. <laughs> and I said, no, put the tobacco back. Now, here's what I want you to hear when it's a kingdom thing. When the Holy Spirit's involved, people started crying. And the clerk was even crying. She goes, I've just never seen this. And I just said, guys, this is just the love of Jesus. And so the lady waited for me. And I just got to share after. Like she just said, I, look, you didn't have to do this. I don't know you. Why did you do this? And I said, well, I just really need to tell you, the Lord loves you and he told me to do this. 
and he cares about you. And I'm learning to catch the moments. And I'm learning to put it in my prayer life and be intentional, right? So I said to my wife today, you know what? We're going to plan a meal for someone who's unsaved in the complex here, right? So we're going to go home. We're going to be intentional about it. We're not going to lose what was stirred last night by the Holy Spirit, right? Now, here's what I want you to hear. I think these desires are in us by the Holy Spirit. You know, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will dream, right? And they're going to have visions, right? And they're going to be strategies from heaven. They're going to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. They're going to be people-led. It's not going to be a program or, or another thing in the building. It's just going to be God's kids, the kingdom of God, pouring through them, touching lives wherever we go. And the king kingdom begins to expand like crazy because we're walking in intentionality and, and what God's calling us to do, right? And so, um, okay, do, do I still have five minutes left? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Now here's, I felt oil on that song, Waymaker Tonight, and here's what I, I feel that, that ministry does, and the pressures of ministry, and the pressures of leadership, and the busyness of leadership, that leaders are burning with passion for Jesus and the lost, but these things choke it out. When we go to some churches, it's not just the pastors. We'll, we'll say to the leadership team, how are you guys doing? And we, we will take time to find out how their hearts are before we even get into the strategy. And we find so many leaders are, are especially if churches go through hard times, or in our churches, the, the cycle was changing the pastor every three years, right? And quite often if they left, they left with... Um, struggle and tension and these leaders are left to hold the bag and then there's just all this mess but in their hearts they want to make a difference for Jesus <laughs> and they want to change the world and this stuff chokes them out and so we just get back to what's the dream in your heart what's he put in there what's the deposit and don't let life don't let things don't don't let all this busyness or whatever it may be choke the dream that's burning in you. Become intentional and start walking it out. And so um, I just want to do a quick exercise with you. So um, Mark led us in three things last night. Love for the lost, right? Burden for the lost. Burden, love, and message. So... Um, I actually want to take five minutes. And I'd like you to just respond to all three of them. And let's do a three-month window. And say in the next three months, you know, I may want to grow in the burden of the lost. Um, the second one is, uh, you know, I want to learn how to walk in the love, but I actually want to love the lost somehow. Do it according to your passion, right? And listen, pace yourself. Like, I'm happy if we do one, one of these meals in three months, if that's all we can handle, right? 
Um, you know, again, just these burning desires. Just quickly, uh, Jonathan Much, I told Ron, we got invited to Cuba. And uh, the thing they asked me to do was help them with prayer. And, uh, yeah, Giuseppe knows about Cuba. You've been there. Um, so the, the leader of this, when we, we kind of equipped him for prayer that weekend, he said, but I want you to come back because we're birthing 14 houses of prayer around the perimeter of the nation. And I want you to come and equip the, the houses of prayer and the leaders. And so we came back, and I felt to take Jonathan much, and partly because he, you know, he carried it and he was walking in it. And I phoned the leader just before we came, and I said, listen, I want the last two sessions to be the leaders only of the houses of prayer. That's it. And we just want to talk with them and strategize with them. We don't want any of the other, um, the big gatherings that you you had. And so we met with them. And and I said, now Jonathan is going to talk to you about how to practically do a house of prayer. And he's going to give you a few insights. And so (laughs) Jonathan just started talking and he said, first of all, um, I want you to know that if you only do two hours of prayer a week to begin with, that's great. And you only have four people to start with, that's great. Now, this is not an exaggeration. Some of the leaders started crying in relief. Because they thought they were going to have to do 24 hours a day. And they didn't have the resources. And they didn't know how to do it. And they were overwhelmed beyond belief. Right? And we set up a pace for every one of them. Some of them were in different places. But we set up a pace for every one of them that they felt safe and comfortable with. But here's the thing. They didn't get overwhelmed. And they started walking this thing out in small beginnings. Right? Don't despise the day of small. Start in a healthy place, put a good foundation in, and then build. Let the Holy Spirit build. And so they can pray for hours. I, I get in the midst of them, and I'm, I'm convicted, but they don't know where to go with the prayer or how to sustain it when they get into their own communities. So... So set a pace for yourself. And if you do it as a couple, if you're married couples here, set a pace for yourself, but begin moving. Begin with the strategy. So let's take five minutes. And uh, if you even do one of the areas, I don't know, it's up to you tonight, but let's start setting a goal for the next three months, okay? And can you write it on paper? And here's the other thing. As you write it down, they have found... um, that you have a 50% more chance of your dream or your vision coming to pass when you actually write it on paper. And the reason they say for that is um, the one side of your brain is the one that dreams, and it's all creative, and I forget which side it is, the right side. Is it the right side? Thank you, Mary. (laughs) And the left side is the cognitive one, and when you actually write it on paper and put it in in a form that you understand the left side of your brain kicks in to fulfill what the right side of the brain is dreaming. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So take five minutes. 
And what you want to do now is sustain what the Holy Spirit spoke to you last night and stirred up in you again and caused you to dream about. And uh, even define your success with this, you know. If I have one family that I reach in one month, I'm on my way. (laughs) I'm on my way. Okay? So... We'll, I don't know who wants to keep track of five minutes here, but let's take five minutes just quietly where you are and um, let's actually walk out a few of these points here. And then I want to pray for you. And uh, I felt like the worship team, that Waymaker song, there was just something on that tonight. Did you feel that? And I want to pray a release of dreams and visions. And, and, uh, and so sometimes the big dream is starting with the small small beginnings, but let's get moving.